Blog Talk Radio. Are you tired of being sheep? Well, so is he. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. Good evening and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I am your host, Jake Counts, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia on this Tuesday night. It is the fourth day of June 2013 and this is my maiden voyage into actually videotaping this um, audio presentation, so I hope you guys all enjoy it. I'm going to post the video to YouTube if it doesn't look too terrible. But what I wanted to talk about is... um, how we've kind of run the show recently and what you guys have um, seen on the podcast is not only myself, but uh, a couple of my friends um, jumping on board and um, contributing. And that's in essence what I wanted to start with this um, type of, type of, I guess, format, if you will. Uh, it's not Jake is not cattle. It's not, um, you know, Robert is not cattle. It is not um, Daryl is not cattle. It is we all are not cattle. And I did it as a play on words, not only to signify what I think it represents, and that is that we are all free individuals, and not only that, that we have the right to not be treated like sheep, to not be treated like to not be treated like cattle, for the most part. So, thanks for tuning in. This is broadcast numero seven, um, siete. If you guys are keeping up on the Spanish numerology, but. Um, in essence, we were. Um, I was looking through the news today, and I was trying to find something to really to dive into. And I found a lot of different things. You know, obviously with everything going on um, all over the world, um, especially over in Turkey, I think that's really interesting to watch that um, that take shape. And it's just very it's very odd to me to see every time that I read about these um, these writings, I really want to get away from people saying anti-government. It's always it's it's an anti-government protest. It's not it's a pro-freedom protest. It's not anything like that. It's anti-government. So we all have to take a step back and think about what is really going on here. There's been a lot of things drumming up. Um, I think now we're starting to get a little bit of mainstream. And I hate to say it like that, but it is true. Um, mainstream media coverage for something like the Bilderberg Group, which is a big deal. I mean, it's an absolute huge deal. But up until five years ago, the press even denied its existence. So you're looking at a group that gets together, meets in secret, at undisclosed locations that always seem to get um, found out. because um, And everybody's like, well, if it's such a... If it's such a you know big conspiracy, then how do people know about it? Well, dude, if you rent out an entire ho- five-star hotel, you know one of the top hotels in the world, you rent it out for an entire week, people are going to find out about it, and people are going to start asking questions about who's going to be, what's what's going on, why can't I be there, you know what's what's the big deal? So we got that going on, and I'm going to get into a lot of that, and I'm going to get into the Turkey stuff. I got a lot of articles here to cover. And I do have a lot of clips that I didn't get to last week. So 
If you guys want to be a part of the show, feel free to call in. If you're listening on Blog Talk Radio, feel free to use the Skype call-in. I actually would prefer that just because the audio is a little bit better and it's not like on a cell phone. And if you are calling from a landline or a mobile phone, you can be a part of the podcast 602-753-1916. And just to let you know, we promote liberty, freedom, and knowledge. And whether you believe it's true, whether you believe it don't, it isn't true, you're correct. So, and what I mean by that is everybody has their own perception of reality. Now, some people run into a lot of different challenges when you start talking about um, perception and different realities. But what we're simply saying is that you manifest your own reality due to the knowledge that you have and the knowledge that you accept or reject. I mean, that's just very simple psychology. You either accept the hypothesis or you deny it. So it's not like some rocket science thing that we're talking about here. But what we try to do is we try to dispel all the hogwash. Like what I'm seeing out of out of the um, – now see, my parents are – and they don't listen to the show very often, but they're they're the classical conservatives for the most part. So you have the classical conservative, which is like the Fox News and and people like that, and and what those classical conservatives will typically do is they'll they'll watch Fox and they'll get you know news from Fox, which recently has been somewhat credible because I think that the 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 mainstream media is is realizing that they're losing uh, audience. And it's not due to conspiracy theories. It's due to looking at history, reviewing history, seeing how things have progressed throughout history, and then having a deep dive and a conversation about it. And that's what is really exciting is having that conversation. And that's why I do you know one podcast every once in a while just to just to be fun, just to talk about you know either conspiracy theories or aliens or something like that, because we all have those tendencies. And if you don't have the what if or the or the who benefits or the or the why um, question in your head, then maybe that's a question that you should develop. Maybe you should develop the why question because the why question is the most important question that we can always ask. It's why. Who benefits? Why are these guys meeting together? Why does the mainstream media not cover it? Why? Is it because they think it's uh, you know, just n- much to do about nothing, then say that. But to me, a layperson, when I look at something and I see 150 of the most powerful people in the world getting together, meeting in secret, or whatever, semi-secret, and the media ignores it, that makes me ask why. Why do you guys ignore this? Oh, because a lot of, a lot of the major corporations that are going to be there are major power brokers. They are. They're huge players in the game. Huge players. We're not talking about, you know, we're not talking about the um, the, the regional vice president of, you know, some no-name company, some company that makes widgets, and they're going to try to figure out how to, you know, ship all their manufacturing to China and rip off the rest of the world. That's not what this is about. You got some really high-profile people meeting there. And the media refuses to cover it. And then on top of the media refusing to cover it, you have an absolute lockdown going on around this facility. And that's why I wanted to be there this year. I knew that Bilderberg this year was going to be a big deal. I absolutely knew it. 
And the reason that I knew it was because last year it started to get some press even here in the in, in the United States. Sort of semi-quasi-mainstream press, I guess. But what it all boils down to, guys, is that very, very rich and powerful people are all getting together for five days, clearing their schedule for five days to talk about what? I mean, these guys are not like, this is not like a little golf retreat. This isn't going out with their buddies from college or anything like that. This is serious business. So what are they talking about? We don't know. Actually, we do know. And it's kind of creepy when you find out what they're talking about. So we really do have to look at this from an objective point of view. And not just, oh, that's got to be a conspiracy theory because I've never heard of it. If you let your ego get into the way, you will never understand true freedom. You will never understand. Because ego is linked to statism or the state. Because it's ingrained in your upbringing. It's ingrained in your education. The state, the authority figure, is the ruler. And you need to do what they say. You need to not rock the boat. You need to just obey orders. You need to, I mean, I can go on and on and on. But is that really what we're put on this planet for? Are we put on this planet to follow orders? I'm not put on this planet to follow orders. Have you ever worked for that boss that, that you know that you're five times smarter than? But you know the only reason that he's the boss is because he stomps around and acts tough and yells and then goes back behind you know closed doors and kisses the boss's ass and says, you know, I'm doing what I can do to help you know make this company better. Have you ever been with one of those people? I've been with almost every company that I've been with, save two. I've had to deal with people like that. So at the end of the day, the ends don't justify the means. You don't get to cop out anymore. When you're looking at the world the way it is positioned currently, you have a possible war in Syria. Most people don't even know where Syria is on a map, which that's understandable. You have riots going on in Turkey. You have riots all over, and you have Greece that has completely fallen apart, thanks to the bankers. Good job, guys. Yay, you can claim, claim another victory. Good job. Same thing with Spain, Portugal. They're all suffering the same fate. And the United States is under this just whimsical, it's like a delusional potion that we're all drinking. Maybe it's Maybe it's the fluoride in the water. I don't know. But we're all in a collective denial for the most part, except for some of us. And we're the ones screaming for the rafters saying, hey, things might get bad. Hey, things – we might have problems. Hey, we might have, a, we might have an out-of-control government. We might have big government. Government might be too big. And we're the crazy ones, so to speak, I guess. Because if you're not paying if – you're, if you're paying attention and you're not angry, I think you're the crazy one. And that's just me. So what are we looking at here? Bilderberg. What is the Bilderberg Group? Well, the Bilderberg Group is named actually after a hotel that they that they first started meeting at. 
in secret. And it was founded by, um, I think it was founded by a group of Nazis, if I'm not 100%. If I'm not 100% sure or uh, I sound like 100% sure, it's because I don't have my notes here in front of me. Once again, I'm trying something new with this this video podcast and it's kind of throwing a wrench and everything because everything's all backwards. But anyway, enough of that. So this group gets together, meets in secret, and they discuss world policy, how they're going to bring about world government. These things have all come out, and they're all leaked. You can all find them. Just go find the documents. It's not difficult. InfoWars and Alex Jones do a good job of covering this event because they understand the significance of it. And also, Alex Jones is one of the only people that will that will cover it and give it its just due. Now, whether you like Alex Jones or not, take him or leave him, that's up to you. But the fact of the matter is, the guy still does do some decent work, and you got to fact check him every now and again. But if you're just buying somebody's propaganda, whether it's Alex Jones, Mines, whoever's, and you're not facting check fact checking them, then shame on you. That's the way I look at it. If you're just going to sit there and buy into what they say and not go read it for yourself, then shame on you. And they try to make it easy and put the document links in there and stuff so you don't have any excuse. But this is um, – here's an article coming out of The Guardian today. And it says, Bilderberg guest list includes George Osborne and Ed Balls. Now I have to scroll down a little bit here to actually get to the article. And I'll just read you guys a um, a little smidgen of this. George Osborne and his labor shadow, Ed Bowles, are on the list of those attending this week's UK Summit of Secretive Bilderberg Group alongside heads of Amazon and Google. Yeah, those are just tiny companies that don't really have any significance whatsoever, both of which are under unprecedented political pressure for their company's aggressive tax avoidance policies. Yeah, see, this is what's so amazing. If you and I defraud the government, we're thrown in jail. These guys throw these guys um avoid taxes, don't hardly pay any taxes, like less than three percent taxes. And they're aggressive tax avoidance. You try an aggressive tax avoidance, you'll find your aggressive ass in jail. Thanks to the IRS, which is, you know, once again in in the news again with even more shenanigans. But you know what? It's okay because they're government bureaucrats and they're above the law, and we all just need to kind of get over that. And that's where it's headed. If we don't put a stop to this, if we don't all stand up as free people and say, look, I don't care if you wear a damn costume and, and you got a metal thing on your shirt and, and you're a cop. I don't care. If you break the law, it's breaking the law. If we have no rule of law, then there is – I mean it's just open season. I mean forget about it. We might as well be the Aztecs. You want to talk about no rule of law, go look up those guys or the Mayans. I mean, come on. Do you guys really want to go to like sacrifices and stuff like that? And I'm not saying that's where it's going, but think about this. If you have no rule of law, if all the cops are corrupt and, and all the politicians are corrupt and everybody's corrupt, what do you get? You get a third world country. So keep it up, America. We got a lot of good stuff here, but you have to be aware that if you don't, push with your time with your time on this planet if you don't push back against tyranny tyranny will always win and that's not me saying that that's not jake count stating that that is every historian that is that has ever written whether it's about rome or, or or you know any any ancient culture on the planet if the free people, especially if you're in a democracy or you have some sense of, of freedom, if you don't fight for freedom, freedom goes away. It doesn't just stay there 
you know, if you just sit there and watch television all day, freedom does not stay there. I promise you it doesn't. So continuing with the article. Jeff Bezos, Amazon's founder and chief executive, and Google's executive chairman, Eric Schmidt. Yeah, these guys are just low-level minions. They're nobody of any significance. Executive or the executive chairman, so that so let's see, the chief executive chairman and the founder and chief executive. So the CEO and the chief executive, Eric Schmidt, both of these guys, nobodies will rub shoulders with dozens of other political figures on a global potential and financial elite at a four-day meeting and <clears throat> of the um, organization that was held this year at Watford. The group's lack of transparency has long caused critics to criticize it of its secretive cabal. Gee, I wonder why. Once again, if you guys would just I, – I mean, you really do make it – really easy on people that have conspiracy theories. Just come out and say what you're doing or release your minutes because that just heeds, it, it heeds credence to the people that are screaming that this might be an undercover operation, which if you want my personal opinion, I think it is. I think it's naive to think that people that have a lot of power don't want more of it. That is a very – you might as well be a five-year-old. If you don't think that rich and powerful people want more and they want more power, you are living in la-la land. I've got, I've got a bridge I would like to sell you, actually. So, all right, continuing in the article. A list of about 140, or 140 participants almost made up of almost overwhelmingly white males is described as a diverse group of political leaders and experts in the industry. Once again, this is just a… An, an export of the of the Nazi uh, protocol, the Anglo white American Anglo establishment. So, I mean, get over that. It was published on Monday by the organization. It include only fourteen women. So now they're just kind of spinning it like, oh, well, you know, we probably do need some 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 gender balance here um, for the people that are discussing the um, how how the planet's going to world work over the next twenty years. We're going to need some gender balance there. Uh this is just so sick. The organization is said to be attending the summit at the Grove Hotel would likely discuss topics like including jobs, entitlement, and debt. Hmm. Debt, huh? You guys want to create some more of that, I would assume. And how big data is changing almost everything. There it is. Oh, yeah. Big data. I hope you guys know what big data is. I hope you know what it is. It's so fun. That's why they're building that $1 billion um, containment center out in Utah. It's for big data, a.k.a. it means all your privacy, everything that you do. Yay. And they're trying to figure it out because they're going to have so much data from us and people actually doing business and trying to actually work the system and do good things. They're going to have so much data floating around, and that's why CISPA is coming back into play and SOPA is coming back into play and all these other regulations are coming back into play because they want a handle on the data. Who controls the data controls the world. Very simple. I mean it doesn't get more elementary than that. If I looked at somebody's browser history, purchase history, all of those things throughout your entire – well, let's say since uh, – what, 19 – no, they had until – 2001 to comply with the Telecommunications Act of 1996. 
which I've read, by the way. It's very interesting. Read all 400 pages of it if you like reading a bunch of telecom jargon. But if you know what the telecom jargon is, it kind of creeps you out because it's like, yeah, we're going to put a soft switch in there. And a soft switch allows everybody to pretty much remote in and do whatever they want as long as it's going through the ISP. Gee, I wonder who's going to have a shake with the ISP. Could it be the FCC? Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're all just kind of floating around here and not really paying attention. So anyway, oh, jobs and almost everything. Can the U.S. and Europe grow faster and create jobs? Oh, that's what they're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're They're going to talk about jobs. Yep. List of twelve topics was provided in a short press release that also simply put as currently current affairs, aka how is the plan going right now? Hmm. Well, we've destabilized Libya and overthrown a dictator there that wanted to trade oil and something other than um, American dollars. So, yeah, victory for the oil companies there. Um, we've thrown another dictator in Egypt that was looking to do the same thing. And um, okay, so now we're moving over to Syria. And then once we get Syria, we can really get this clash of civilizations going. Now, remember, on I think it was podcast numero dos, podcast number two, where I read excerpts from the Club of Rome documents, which talked about how they have already made the decision that they are going to use a death rate solution as a solution to the population problem. Not letting humans choose freely, like, oh, okay, well, if you have two kids, then that's you know that's the max, and then if you have another kid, you just got to pay more taxes. No, 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 nothing like that. We're just going to load you up with um, with cancer viruses and the vaccines. We're going to put um, fluoride in your drinking water all over the United States, which is actually added in um, in um, in my region in that loving. Then they so great, they just lovingly add that to us, which you know has been on record as you know lowering IQs to twenty percent, which makes you from somebody that's going to make straight A's and and be an honor student to George Bush. So enjoy that. Current affairs, that was really nice. So continuing, the conference has always been formal or informal, off-the-record discussions about megatrends and major issues the world is facing. Oh! Once again, trying to find out how their agenda is moving along. And remember... If you're not a power-hungry kleptocrat, then you're probably not going to get into this little group that they have there. So, I mean, at the end of the day, we – I mean, what are we talking about here? Let us never tolerate outrageous conspiracy theories. That's right. You can't tolerate outrageous conspiracy theories. These are all crazy. I mean, 150 of the most powerful people getting together, meeting in secret to discuss, quote-unquote, current events and world politics and, and – um, Megatrends and other major issues. Megatrends are probably talking about the fact that the humans are actually waking up to your plot, and we're all starting to get pissed. We understand that GMOs are there to sterilize us. Yes. That's not a conspiracy theory. Look at the study that they've done over rats and mice over a one-year period, and everybody's like, oh, they're flawed. You know, they're not doing it the way that it's supposed to be done. Well, why don't you just let us do one over 90 days? Oh, no, we can't do that. Mm Mm-mm. No. See, we can't have a test that goes over 90 days because then you'll start seeing what they call trends. Trends like rats developing tumors in the gut and having 
gut issues, and digestion problems. Sound familiar? Anyone? Hmm. Gut issues and problems. Anyway, continuing with the article. Okay, I lost my place here. Oh, Megatron's facing the world. And oh, and here's where it gets fun. Thanks to the private nature of the comments, the, the participants are not bound by the conventions of office or pre-agreed positions. Hold on a second. That was really odd. I just got a phone call. So anyway, the participants are not bound by conventions of office or other pre-agreed positions. As such, they can take time, listen, reflect, and gather insights. There's no detailed agenda, no resolutions proposed, no votes are taken, and no policy statements are issued. Attendees of the financial backgrounds include Marcus Angus, the former chairman of Barclays. Oh, you're not a bunch of criminals. Who quit the post in the wake of the LIBOR, or LIBOR interbank leading rate scandal? Yeah, mm-hmm. Fixing the rates. We're going to solve the financial problems. Yeah, we were caught stealing and, and rigging the whole casino, but we're going to fix it. That's who we need there. As well as Douglas Flint, chairman of the group HBAC Holding, HSBC Holding. Oh, another criminal group. Hmm. Which was hit last year with a $1.9 billion fine last December over allegations that it acted as bankers for rogue states, terrorists, and drug lords. Yes. Yes. These are the people that we want running things. <laughs> so sick. People, wake the fuck up. You got a bunch of ruthless criminals meeting together in secret, going to decide the world agenda, and you want to watch Happy Days on TV land. I don't know what you're doing, but if you're not getting into this stuff, you are crazy. God, sorry for the F-bomb, but it, that, I mean, just read this. Peter Sutherland, the chairman of the Goldman Sachs International, gee, they're not a bunch of criminals either. And Michael J. Evans, the vice chairman of Goldman Sachs, so you got two Goldman Sachs guys there. That means there's going to be extra, extra loving and extra handholding and extra, you know, caressing around there. Are the participants of the ex investment bankers giants, whose involvement in the high scale, high risk mortgage? You mean rigging the game and then even sending emails to each other saying that you're ripping people off? You mean those guys? Related to investments such as born much of the blame causing the 2008 global financial crisis. On record, done so they can make money coming and going. Yeah, they love you. As well as Balls and Osborne. The br <coughs> Other Britons attending to or include Troy MP um, and Minister Ken Clark. And former LIBOR MP and Minister Peter Mendelssohn, Mandelson, excuse me, who is listed as attending in his capacity as chairman of his strategic advisory council, global council, and chairman of Lazard International and Investment Bank. This year's meeting of the group. Oh, excuse me, I have to get my video set up here. Sorry. This year's meeting of the group, which met 19, which first met in 1954, with the aim of shortening up, shoring up, excuse me, U.S.-European relations in Cold War years. Yeah, okay. 
Well, active scrutiny among from the media, along with, as usual, a small army of individuals harboring the range of theories about what really discussed behind closed doors. The year's summit coincides with the UK and an outbreak of a fresh scandal over lobbying and calls for statutory register of lobbyists. Yeah, that's kind of the other big deal is the the UK's got a big scandal going on. And as you start to see the information leak out, you're starting to see how all these governments are becoming more and more out in the open with what they're doing. And they don't like it, and that's why they want to censor the web. They just want to shut this stuff down. Because they don't want you to know that they're rigging the LIBOR scandal and then getting together with heads of state and talking about, quote-unquote, finance. You mean the finance that you guys ruined? Is that what you're talking about? The financial, the financial burden that you put on this entire world by doing this? I mean, absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I got some guys in the chat room giving me a hard time. I don't know who it is. So, you know, I'm gonna actually going to pull him up right now. This is, um, this is uh, I think, let me see who this is. I'm going to finish this article, and then I'm going to get his take on it, because um, I think this is my friend Andrew from Florida. You guys heard on the last podcast. A small number of journalists have received precious invitations to go behind the curtain. Oh, look at them, the good little toadies. To go behind the curtain... This year, they include Martin Wallov of the Financial Times, the newspaper's chief economist commentator, John Merkelwald, the chief editor of The Economist. That is a super, super global governance publication right there. Very liberal in, in any way. As a, <clears throat> and a number of others, including an anchor of a privately owned Italian television company and columnist of Turkey's and um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. It's got too many schwas and accents under it. <clears throat> a columnist of Turkey's Melanie Yet newspaper. Veteran participants participants include – now get ready for the shocker. Holy crap, we're going to talk about world domination. And guess who's going to be there? The human slug. Henry Kissinger, the former U.S. Secretary of State, that in, in the book um, – Oh, gosh. Hold on a second. It is um, super class, but written by David Rothkopf. He talks about how nothing goes on in world policy or U.S. policy without Henry Kissinger's blessing. Or you have to be – you have to have gone through the Kissinger group, and then you're anointed into the the global politics perspective. The whole book is kind of crazy. you got to read it. And former <clears> – <throat> And Lord Carrington, the former conservative politician and foreign secretary. So let me pull up my friend. I'm going to have to end this um, this video because this is driving me crazy. I'm going to have to just do this a different way. So sorry for everybody. I was going to try to do a video um, podcast, but um, it looks like that this technology is not cooperating with me. And I've got friends of mine making fun of me now, telling me that I need an intern. So I'm going to pull up the, the caller here. Let me see if I can pull him up. Hey, you want to volunteer for the internship, jerk? Come yeah, why not? You need some production help over there, man. I'll give you I a I do, hand. man. This is getting Good. absolutely sick. This is getting sick because I've got two screens, and then, of course, I have my two screens flipped. I had screen number two on the right and screen number two on the left, so every time I try to scroll over, it was going the wrong way. And 
I, I'm just not. I'm not coaching enough to do that. When it works. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Isn't it great? So, what did you think of that article that I read, man? I mean, what do you think? Everybody, Andrew Johnson, um, a member of the, I guess, uh, an honorary member of the We Are Not Cattle team, who actually, by the way, has given me my nickname as the Tiny Champ. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the Tiny Champ of Truth. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I might be I, the uh, the Tiny Liberty Champ. Sounds good too. I could be the TLC. I could be the Tiny Liberty. So what you do you might think not be tiny for long, man. You hit the gym as hard as you did hit it. Uh, I'm just trying to tone out, man. All right, so uh, enough enough guy talk. What do you think about that, man? 150 of the world's most powerful people, you know, a bunch of known criminals getting together, meeting in secret, and they're just going to talk about, you know, they're just going to talk about puppy dogs and ice cream. Remember, there's no agenda. You can just kind of float around and do what you want, even though they do have agendas that get released later on. I love how that article is worded. So what do you Jake, think of all this? It, it sounds like a conspiracy theory to me, man. I think what they're doing is they're sitting back, smoking cigars, getting away from their wives. Let us never tolerate outrageous conspiracy theories. They They wouldn't dare plot against the rest of us. Normal people in the world, and I and I like how the I like how the um the the guy kind of gets mad and says that um you know there's not there's there's just not a lot of women at this conference. We should get some more women here. It's like, dude, <laughs> did you not get the memo? Do you not know how to do you not know how this little part of the game works? Yeah, and don't you don't get to go you to the heard of the Bohemian Grove uh, by chance? <laughs> oh, see, that's another conspiracy theory. But uh, what did you make of that, man? What did you make of all the stuff that I was reading about all these people getting together in secret and then them erecting this enormous um, uh, fortress of solitude, I guess? I guess Superman's going to show up. But, you know, if they want to meet, that, that's fine. But when you have our, our government officials meeting with them, that's where that's where the line needs to be drawn. You know, if these people are going to get together and, and plot to take over the world – then so be it. But uh, when they have in influence over our government, I think that's a problem. And you're talking about that being a violation of the Logan Act, which means that you can't go and associate with other countries talking about any you know, political things outside of the country that is not on record, correct? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, so, I mean, but these guys do it every year, and we we went through a period, and I did that little video a promotional video to try to get myself um, some fundraising to get over there, and I couldn't get the get the funds up to go do it. But you know, you look at these things and these people and the way that they they just kind of they push all this stuff to the side like it's no big deal. But it existed since 1954, and we're just now hearing about it. Why do you think that is? I, I don't know, uh, but I, I mean, look at think about this though. That they've got. All this money, they have everything they need, so what's left, Jake? Well, you and I both know the answer to that one. That's power and control. <laughs> but, you Great know, people talk. can't well, – well, people can't – in their day-to-days of, of going to the 9-to-5 or now the 8-to-5 job that used to be a 9-to-5 – now going to the 8-to-5 and, and doing that and, and grinding it out and, and, and then coming home – they cannot they can't fathom what it's like to not worry about money. Everybody worries about money. You know, the more money, more problems kind of theory always holds true is if if you're making you know, if you're making 50 grand a year, you're probably living a decent way if you're a single person here in America and you're probably got a decent car. 
But if you make a hundred grand, you're making, you know, you're living a little bit better. If you make two hundred, a little bit better, and so on and so forth. So these people have become slaves to the almighty dollar, chasing the almighty dollar, and then they're trying to get in the heads of somebody that that doesn't have to chase anymore. Yeah. yeah. I mean, wouldn't, you, wouldn't that be a fair assessment? Is that these people don't have to chase anything anymore? They've got it. No, they could they could just burn it in their fireplace, and then tomorrow morning there's a new bucket of money sitting there for them to burn. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and then and then they get together in secret, you know, with known criminals, known criminals. Like, you know, fixing the LIBOR rates is a humongous deal. That is huge. That's what everything is based off of. And you get a bunch of guys that sit together in a room and set the rates, and then they get caught setting the rates and cheating the rates. And then nobody gets in trouble, and now they're all getting together in a conference, and it's like it's like a scene from Caddyshack. Oh, it's no big deal. I mean, what's going on? I mean, it's no big deal. These guys, uh, that's what rich people do. They just get together. I saw a post, though, on my, on my news feed that says uh, we're back to Monday Night Football in 13 weeks. Go back to sleep. <laughs> Go back <God>. to sleep. <laughs> Holy cow. You know what? The, you, the NFL logo should have underneath it, it should have a guy just um, with huge eyes and like just, just X's in them. Just completely done. <laughs> you are just a super zombie, man. Good luck to you. It's not that I don't like football. It's not that Andrew doesn't like football. But we know when it's appropriate. And it's appropriate four hours a week. Maybe five if your game goes into overtime. And then just get out of it, guys. If you make stuff like that, yeah. If you make stuff like that in your life, you're going to be very, very detached. And then when, when the market starts changing and all of this QE unlimited starts coming back to bite you, and it already start, it's already starting, my wife and I were saying that. She even said that to me today. You know, Andrew, whatever happened to the uh, whatever happened to the uh, the twelve ninety five oil change or the nineteen dollar oil change? Whatever happened to those? <laughs> Gone. Well, no. I mean, it's not inflation. Though. I hope you're not taking it there, Jake. No, because that <laughs> would actually require logic and forward thinking and understanding how markets work, and that you can't print eighty five billion dollars into an imaginary coffer every month and give it to foreign banks and then say that you're not doing anything to increase the debt of this country. I got a question for you, though, real quick, since we're talking sure. about this. Mm-hmm. Why is it most of the people I run into, they can't fathom this. They just don't understand it. They're like, oh, well, milk is $6 a gallon. You know, It's always been $6 a gallon. What do you mean it's been something different? No. It's, it's, the, it's, the, uh, it's the Dory theory, I think, and that is that the American public has a short – we have a short-term memory problem here in the United States. Anything that's outside, and I think that the people that are really in control and understand how to socially engineer groups of people, the the high psychiatrists, those kinds of people, and the psychologists, um, they understand that we have a timetable in in human cognitive um, ability that outside of a certain amount of time that you're just going to forget. You're just going to stop remembering or you're just not going to care. And I think that that's what they know is that, you know, if they just keep pushing the narrative that everything's fine and the economy's fine and nothing's really changing, and people are just going, well, man, just milk keeps going up. I just don't know what's going on. And they never think, Andrew, and that was what I started the show with. You know, they got to start asking why eventually. 
Why is all this stuff happening? Why are we bombing? Why are we going to war with Syria? How much money do those missiles cost? But it's too fun. It's too fun, and the world is too full of distractions, I think, is the short uh, you, you hit it perfectly, man. I struggle with it. I, I hate being out of the matrix for some reason. It's like I just – I love all the entertainment and shit that they throw at me, man. I'm a junkie for it. But then it's like when I do detach, I'm like, oh, God, we're getting ready to – Fucking die. Yeah, well, it's it's really scary if you're paying attention, and and then you have to pay attention to what what's going on, and and just pay attention locally is what I say. As long as you don't see the police state locally, that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist, but it does mean that you're a little bit further behind the curb. Yep. You know, I'm sure that the people in Boston thought that they didn't live in a police state until you know one supposed terrorist. Um, blew himself up, you know, and I won't even get into the the diatribe about that. But we covered it last week on the show, where you know one of the guys gets brought in for questioning, and he flip quote unquote flips the table, and they shoot him six times, you know, and and then there's no questions. What? There's no there's no why. There's no well, he 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 was you know he confessed and he said that he was in on, and he flipped the table, and we got nervous, so we shot him. I, I thought they're supposed to meet force with equal force, not greater force. No, that's for that's for the slaves. That's for us. Remember, oh, they get to, oh. they get to use whatever because they wear the costume with the metal badge. They get to use whatever force they de- is deemed necessary. And once again, remember, cops aren't there to protect you, Andrew. They actually, by law, don't have to protect you. They're there to enforce the law. They're not there to protect you. That is the big cloak and dagger, you know. That's the big sham on the American people is that they think that the cops are there to protect them. Mm-mm, not anymore. So here, here, here's a good article for you, and this just shows it's kind of it kind of insinuates what we're talking about here about the the collective. Um, it's like a collective psyche of the American public is really getting into, and really, it's almost like they really want terrorists to attack. I don't know what it is about. Their psyche that they're getting psyched up. To, it's like terrorists are going to be there. Terrorists are going to be around, so we got to be on the lookout. So here is a um, an article that I found today, and um, it says Yankees on alert of Hunley services in New York. And this is it's kind of a tongue in cheek piece, but this is kind of crazy that somebody would actually call this in. Um, it says on Friday afternoon, a New York motorist called the police with a tip on a potential terror threat. Seems someone was hauling a suspicious-looking object that resembled a torpedo down the highway. Before uh, before long, 30 agencies, including the Department of Homeland Security, were searching for this potential menace. Even Coast Guard cutters in the area were on the lookout since the thing looked like some sort of a boat. They set the, the terror code chart to Rebel Gray because they were just hunting for a bunch of good old boys from Somerville hauling a replica H.L. Hunley to Connecticut for the weekend, and the Hunley was one of the first submarines that was ever used. In case anybody wants to uh, wants to understand what's going on here, it's pretty bad when four Confederates with a replica of a Hunley can cause all of this," said Mark Clark, the general manager of the exhibit. Maybe they're worried about us coming to get them back. <laughs> and he says, "You know, through all the trouble the Hunley caused, this is the most trouble that Hunley has caused Yanks in over 150 years." And uh, it just keeps going on and talks about – at the very end, I'll just read this last section because this is pretty. This is another pretty funny part of it. And guest aviators finally turned up the surveillance video of the Hunley exhibit rolling through a, a toll booth. 
And the first clue that something was not amiss is that terrorists do not use tollbooths. And he says, except maybe in Blazing Saddles, which is actually a good that's a good reference. And police eventually called the Warrant Lash Convention Center, um, home of the Huntley, and were able and were able to direct the authorities to Clark. Clark says the police were extremely nice when they reached him by phone on Saturday, and that's probably because by the time they had realized that the hand cranked submarine was bolted to a flat iron trailer wasn't much of a threat to the Big Apple. But this really does speak to what we were just talking about, about the collective paranoia and the collective fear of of the sheep. And it's getting to be it's getting to be scary, man, when you've got people calling in just looking at this thing. I mean, if you can't tell that this is an old school submarine, I mean and and what doofus thinks that he is the you know that he is the the savior of the world calling in oh my god i saw terrorists driving down the interstate i'm sure you did dumbass i'm sure yeah. the terrorists are just going to drive right down the interstate with a humongous bomb and just say look here it is and they're going to they're they're actually going to next time they're going to put al qaeda flags on it well, wait no 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 they it, do that these idiots that. these idiots ain't isolated to the big city either you heard about the father in temple texas right no 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 hit me Oh man, there was uh, this dad walking with his son in Temple, Texas, and his son was working on his uh, uh, Eagle Scout badge, mm-hmm. and he happened to have a rifle slung across his back. Oh, that's in terrible. rural Texas, dude. Somebody mm-hmm. calls the cops, and this cop violates his Second and Fourth Amendment rights, man, on tape. Just arrests him, confiscates his weapons. Uh, berates him and then throws him in the back of a car in front of his his twelve year old son, or he might have been older. How come nobody like you know goes up to the cop and berates the cop and rips his badge off and takes his gun? I don't get that. Like that's the guy causing the tyranny, and everybody's like, and everybody's <laughs> like, good job, good it's job. Funny you that's just way. said that because I was plugged into the Matrix earlier watching Tosh, and they had a clip of this guy that rolls up on a cop with no seatbelt on, dude, and he says. Pull over. He's yelling at him through the window. Put your seatbelt on. And tried to get him to pull over. The cop basically ignored him, but it was funny that he said that. It reminded me. Well, no, I mean, just you're, listen, because you get to wear a fancy black uniform and look tough and, and you get a metal badge and you go through some training doesn't mean that you're exempt. You're not exempt. If anything, you should be the ones that promote the law the most. I mean, you've exactly. got to deal with this on a day-to-day basis. I talk to my friend who's a cop about this all the time, and he's one of the good guys. He's like, dude, I don't know. He's like, you know, on routine traffic stops, I try to be nice, and if people are, you know, pretty, you know, respectful, and if it's, you know, a borderline thing, then sometimes I'll let him go, but sometimes I might write him a ticket. Just depends. But at the end of the day, like, why can't you guys set the example? Don't go out there and be thugs. You're gonna make us all, you know, want to get in your face. I mean. Unless you guys really want that, unless you really have watched cops one too many times and you drank way too many glasses of fluoride, that you just think that we're all – that you're keeping the, the crazy wild animals under control because that's what it looks like sometimes, Andrew. Doesn't it look like that to you when they – when you see these – not riots, but when you see these cops getting way out of control, it's like – Oh, the ones that well, – you could see the ones that enjoy it, man. They're, they're, their eyes dilate. They almost get this wicked smile on their face, man. They love it. I, I, uh, I watched Jack Reacher last night, and I'll, I'll admit that that was pretty – it was pretty cheesy because evidently evidently in the books, Jack Reacher is this like 6'10", ginormous dude that's got a brain too, and he's like super intimidating. 
And then they put Tom Cruise in as the role. So it really, <laughs> you know, you want to talk about the oxymoron of the year. But um, but anyway, it, he makes a really good statement. He says, you know who what kind of people join the military? He says that there are people that join the military, you know, to be true to their country. There are people that join the military because they're patriots. There's people that join the military because they need a job. And there's people that join the military because they have a lust for killing. Yep. And he said, and it's just like a legal way to scratch that itch. And sometimes, and this wouldn't, this would not surprise me in the least. And believe me, cops, I'm not trying to get on you guys, but we need to have this dialogue with you. And you, you guys need to come to, to the activist side of things because 99 times out of 100, we're in the right and you're in the wrong. Okay. Yep. Let's just, let's just face facts. I know that you're given orders to do these things, but you know Nazis were given orders too. Not to draw that parallel, but at the same time, understand if you're given unlawful orders, just they can't keep hiding behind this. Well, I had to; it's my job, yeah. or you know, ordered to. Yeah, and just just don't be stupid about it. Don't be going around violating people's rights and then expect nothing's going to come back on you because karma is a bitch. I'll go ahead and tell you that right now, but. You know, at the end of the day, Andrew, we are looking at all kinds of fun here. I mean, here, let me just go through some more. Um, Dude, I'm waiting for the FEMA camps. You talk about fun, man. That, We're going to sit they got, around and watch videos and play video games all day is what I heard. Mm-hmm. And they got free Wi-Fi there, too. And you and I think you get a free iPad when you go in there, especially <laughs> especially if you're um, – Especially if you're a um, if you're a um, a thought criminal like us, I think that we get I think that we get an iPad and we get a free Xbox, so it's going to be ball. I can't wait. I want Call okay. of Duty. So, on the topic of government being out of control and and you know morons and exist in existence that shouldn't and an in in organization that shouldn't even exist. Excuse me, stammering right there. <clears throat> there is an article from the New York Times. IRS spent one or four point, excuse me, see, my brain tried to trick me and tried to make the number smaller. IRS spent $4.1 million on conference audit fines. The Internal Revenue Service spent $4.1 million on a single conference in Southern California, paying top dollar for hotel rooms, almost $28,000 for a keynote speaker, and tens of thousands of dollars for gifts to the. Sounds legit. 2,600 people who attended. 2,600 people attended your little IRS conference. Unbelievable. Well, sounds totally reasonable to me. Oh, this is, I this, don't know what the fuss is all about. This is completely reasonable. This is why <laughs> government loved you. Look at this. But, but the audit also showed such expenditures sharply fell when the White House when, – when the White House clamped down on travel and conferences budgets tightened – and a scandal erupted over how much General Services Administration has spent on these conferences. The IRS spending on as much or spending on such meetings fell from 4.8 million in 2012. Um, wait, fell? This fell? Oh, excuse me, it fell to 4.8 million in 2012, as opposed to the 37.5 million in 2010. Wow, that's a good job cracking down. Hey, why do Andrew? Why do we have the IRS again? Uh, because they love us. Mm. They're here. They're here to help us. And, and what does that agency do, by any chance? Internal Revenue Service. Don't they? 
Well, we have to give them money. We give them money, and and then they take care of us, Jake. That's the idea behind government, man. They mm-hmm. we give them money, mm-hmm. and they take care of you. Uh, so it's another collection arm for a private bank that owns our country's debt in most no, countries. That's world. I think I know what that is. Mm, I think you might know what that is too. I think that George Bush knows what that is. <laughs> Let us never tolerate outrageous conspiracy theories. Okay, so. So the IRS, all right, so we're just going to continue on here with just a little bit more of this article, and then Andrew and I are going to jump on these people. So continuing in the article, I'm going to skip around a little bit. The House Ways and Means Committee opened hearings on Tuesday to take testimony from members of the Tea Party and other conservative groups that say that they they say that they were mistreated, Andrew. They say. Never mind the proof. They say. Today's witnesses will help this committee and the American people better understand how far off track the IRS has gone. No, they're doing a great job, dude. This is what this is what Nixon did. They're they're going by the playbook, said Representative David Camp of Michigan in the Chairman Committee. Victims included Tea Party and non-Tea Party groups, 501c3 social welfare organizations, and 501c3 charitable organizations, which 501c3s are almost all of your churches now, thanks to your loving government. Woohoo! Can't be a free organization. Got to go through government. Charitable organization, including mm-hmm. religious organizations. All of the witnesses received numerous and intrusive inquiries from the IRS agents across the country. Even had some of their confidential information leaked by IRS to the media. <gasps> Are you telling me that a government agency did something wrong? No. Which came to the impact of the chilling effect on free speech. Oh, okay. So, Andrew, I have a clip here from Ted Cruz talking about what he would like to do with the IRS. So let me find this. Hold on. It's going to be down here at the very beginning clip. Uh, da, 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 da. I think Ron Paul's got a pretty good idea on what to do with the IRS. <clears throat> oh, yeah. And Ted Cruz said the, pretty much said, said the same thing. I have to find this clip now. It's down here in the Ted Cruz IRS. All right, so here's a – it's about a one-minute clip. This is off of Fox News, so everybody enjoy, and then we'll comment on the backside. Thanks for listening, everybody. Follow me on Twitter. We are not cattle number one. Check out the website, wearenotcattle.net. And also go to the new YouTube channel, We Are Not Cattle TV, where I will be, once I have my video stuff in order, which should be by tomorrow, I will be actually videotaping the podcast. Hooray! So now you can see my face of the tiny Liberty Champ. And also, um, I'm going to try to find a way to get people to call in on Skype and put their face on there as well. So we got a lot of things going on here, but enjoy this Ted Cruz clip, and we'll get back on the other side. Senator, you're leading the charge to abolish the IRS. I think that's a fantastic idea. Tell us your plan. Well, look, we have seen in recent weeks that that the IRS has not honored its trust with the American people, that the Obama administration has demonstrated a willingness to use the machinery of government to target their political enemies. And that's wrong. It was wrong when Richard Nixon did it, and it's wrong when Barack Obama did it. And, And it is a manifestation of too much power in the federal government. When the federal government has that much power in our individual lives, it's an invitation to being abused. And, and I think we ought to abolish the IRS and instead move to a simple flat tax where, where the average American can fill out our taxes on a postcard. Put down how much you earn, put down a deduction for charitable contributions for home mortgage, and how much you owe. It ought to be just a simple one-page postcard and take the agents, the bureaucracy out of Washington and limit the power of government. I have a hunch you might get bipartisan support for, for an idea like that. 
Well, it, it, or shot in the head. Yeah, that'll probably get you one of the two of those. Um, I don't think bipartisan <laughs> support will really follow that, but uh, I mean, uh, he, you know, how many people would lose money. Oh goodness, <laughs> heads would roll if they did some shit like that. No, no. <laughs> see, here's the here's the problem, man. Here's the problem. The normalcy bias of the American public would absolutely crap their pants if you said that you were going to abolish the IRS. They would absolutely crap their pants. Even though nine, I would say nine out of ten of them don't even know what the IRS's job is, which they're doing their job is to harass and annoy you. But once again, Google and those guys cannot pay taxes worldwide, and that's fine. But if you skip out on your taxes, you're going to jail. Or if you try to point out that the whole tax code system is a fraud and nobody knows how to navigate it, if you ask ten different accountants, they're all going to give you ten different answers. You know, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Everything's fine. Go back to sleep. But I think you're right, Andrew. The the bipartisan thing to hear that he said, it, it's not going to fly, guys. And I hate to tell you this, but um, <clears throat> we're way down the creek here. We are way down the creek. You know, maybe the maybe the scandal here with the IRS is something that's going to wake up the American public. But I'm going to bet my bottom dollar because I know the sheep so well, and we are massively outnumbered by the sheep. Granted, our intellect, if you put it up against the sheep's collective intellect – would draw them out of, drive them out of the water, but we're not measured on intellect here. We're actually measured on numbers, and we're vastly outnumbered. So what do you say to my theory that, that the sheep would absolutely go bonkers if you tried to abolish the IRS? Because you would have those, those would government – Well, those government-slash-non-government well, government workers that are working for the IRS making their big salaries, they're going to be the ones that are going to push back too, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you've got if you've got a cake job, you're making money to do absolutely nothing but go party on taxpayer dollars mm -hmm. and uh, go attend and four million people. go attend four million dollar conferences that kind of thing. Yeah, why would you really give that up without a fight? And if you read <laughs> some of the things that came out about that, if you read about how they um, they would go and rent out the presidential suites and they wouldn't even ask for a discount, they're just like, yeah, whatever, it's on the taxpayer dime, just let it roll. It, it, it is kind of poetic that the IRS is now being audited. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, didn't even think of that. That is beautiful. Hey, I gotta, uh, I gotta take a quick break here, Andrew. I'm gonna put you on mute, guys. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna leave you with a, um, a quick clip of the, uh, a super state, and then we'll pick you guys up at about a, a minute and a half. Andrew, go take a break if you need to, but I'll pull you back up in a minute. Go burn one. Go do it. Logic is an enemy and truth is a menace. But there is very little call for the services of a librarian. Case in point, a minister. A minister would tell us that his function is that of preaching the word of God. And of course it follows that since the state has proven that there is no God, that would make the function of a minister somewhat academic as well. There is a God. are in error, Mr. Wordsworth. There is no God. The state has proven that there is no God. You cannot erase God with an edict. You are obsolete, Mr. Wordsworth. You have no function, Mr. Wordsworth. You're an anachronism, like a ghost from another time. I am nothing more than a reminder to you that you cannot destroy truth. You're a bug, Mr. Wordsworth, a crawling insect. 
An ugly, misformed little creature who has no purpose here, no meaning. I am a human being. I exist. And if I speak one thought aloud, that thought lives, even after I'm shoveled into my grave. Delusions, Mr. Wordsworth. Delusions, the Bible, poetry, essays, all kind, all of it, an opiate to make you think you have a strength when you have no strength at all. You have nothing but spindly limbs and a dream, and the state has no use for your kind. All right, Andrew. Sorry, I had to pull you up there. Oh, <coughs> taking your medication, I would take it. Yeah, this glaucoma is crazy. <laughs> All right. So anyway, everybody, thanks for listening to the podcast. We do have to take a break every now and then because I got to split this up for a couple of different um, stations. I'll go ahead and plug those stations. You can catch me on Liberty Movement Radio. Um, I think I get moved to Wednesday and Friday from two until four. So check me out there on Liberty Movement Radio. It'll be a rebroadcast of the podcast, so if you didn't catch all of it, you can listen to it there. And you can also catch me on Liberty Express Radio this weekend and go to www.libertyexpressradio.com to find us there. So, and I think I come on um live, I think I come on uh 7 to 9 on Saturday and Sunday there. So Anyway, now that I got all the promotional stuff out of the way, Andrew, um, let's go to um, let's go to another clip here, and then um, and then I th- I think we need to um, I think we need to get this show a little bit more moving in the right direction. I'm feeling a little slow, so what I think what I'm going to do is play this this other Ted Cruz clip, Andrew, and then I think we're just going to have some um, some fun dialogue because I got some really good um, I got some really good clips here for you to comment on. So here's the uh, Ted Cruz clip. Here. All right. Do you trust the IRS to handle something so important to every American? Not remotely. Look, the IRS Talking about Obamacare, by the way. key responsibility for administering Obamacare. It has over 47 taxes and penalties that the IRS is supposed to administer concerning our health care, concerning vital aspects of taking care of our health, of our family's health, of our loved one's health. Right now, the IRS is creating the largest data in the country. That's a big hug right there. That's a hug. I feel warming to you like a cinnamon. The intrusion into our personal lives, I think, is unacceptable. And the pattern we've seen is it's not something we can trust will be administered in a fair way. It's not something we can trust won't be used in a partisan way, in a vindictive way, and that's completely unacceptable with our health care. Can you expand on that a little bit? I mean, if, if... If there was partisan targeting by the IRS in our financial matters, is it possible they might do that in our medical matters too? Well, we have seen a consistent pattern in this administration, and and the pattern is a willingness to use the the Constitution to target those they perceive as their political enemies. And that that was true with the IRS. It's true with the Department of Justice that, that has been targeting reporters, targeting Fox News. Going after reporters that would dare be critical of this administration. And, and I think it is, you know, frankly, the hubris of power that, that the ends justify the means. And, and USA! 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 Hey, how long did you say football? How long, how long until Monday Night Football? 13 weeks in NFL. Don't worry, guys. Your country is being absolutely destroyed, but the government loves you. Everything is just peaches. Dude, Obama so, didn't know about the IRS. How could he? He has so many other things to worry about, Jake. The, the head of the IRS couldn't have been at the White House over 150 times. Mm-mm. Oh, wait. 
No, he was. Oh, never mind. <laughs> and I actually, I actually saw a um a clip from the Daily Show last night, and it was uh, it was hysterical because you know he he kind of mentioned that and he's like, well, he went to the White House over 120 times, and and then John Stewart goes. So the first time was like, hey, I need you to target my political enemies. And then the next 120 times, it's like, hey, you take care of that thing. <laughs> take care of that thing we talked about. You know? But I mean, that's, that's so true, man. And it, what's so amazing is that um, I think that this is going to push a lot of people in the right direction. God, let's hope so. Because when you hear people and then you see you see Fox News, they give it lip service. They really do, and they try to do the right thing, and they position themselves in the right ways. But then from a conservative perspective, but then you have all of these other things that are going on behind the scenes that they don't even – they don't even really get into. And they, and they just kind of ignore it, and they kind of slight it, and it's like, well, that's, you know, that's not really what we're focusing on now. And I watched Fox this weekend. Because I was down at my parents' house, and my dad's like, I want to watch the news. And I was like, okay, here comes the brainwashing set in. Hold on, so, hold on. I don't want to – I hate to do this to you, man, but you did mention your dad, so i got to ask you. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you pulled him from the dark side? No, I can't, man. I can't. He is He is entrenched. Um, it's It's a very difficult topic. I mean, he, he understands where I'm coming from, but um, I think that he's just um, – I think he's just too set with how how things have progressed in his life, and I think that he just – I don't think that he really has the time nor the desire to really find out what what I'm talking about. And, and just passing the torch to you. It's up yeah, to you. Yeah, I, I guess so. I guess so. And, and I've kind of taken the – you know, I've kind of taken that wholeheartedly, and he told me – he gave me a great compliment this weekend when I was talking to him about – about fluoride and about the Club of Rome and all those things, and, and I talked to him about, you know, there's fluoride in the water and it's lower in IQs, and – and he's like, well, where'd you hear that? And I said, well, there's been about 120 studies, but the most recent one was by Harvard, and it was, you know. And I said, I've got, I've got a document on my laptop, Dad, that I can send you. It's about 200 pages long, and it was a bunch of neuroscientists and biochemists talking about how harmful um, fluoride is for you, and it, how it increases bone cancer and all this stuff. And then he's just like, you know what? He goes, I, I love the fact that you're passionate about that, but. Um, He's like I, I, I he goes I, I he's it's not keep that drinking he, the water. It's not that he doesn't believe me. I think that it's just the uh, the the it's normal the matrix, bro. It just uh, keeps it in it. It's the normalcy bias for sure. I mean, it um you know, it's one of those things that I've never heard this from and then it's you know, when you mention somebody like Harvard, it's like, "Oh, you're thinking that somebody's going to be receptive." But it just um I don't think that he's really. Um, I don't think he really cares anymore. He's in the, um, you know, he's retired and stuff like that. So it's not, not something that really interests him. So you know, that that being said, that he he really appreciates what I do. I don't know if he ever listens to the show, but um, I know my brother does from time to time, which is kind of cool. So, and uh, if you guys do listen to the show, be sure to follow me on Twitter. Um, there's somebody that works here in Atlanta. I dropped my card off at home, at her. Um, at her, actually, she's um, she works at my dentist office, and we started talking about politics. And I dropped my card off to her, and um, she said her boyfriend listens on a regular basis and thinks it's awesome. So spread the word, guys, um, and um, for people that work and live in Atlanta, um, spread the word about my show and see if I can't get syndicated down here. Because I've reached out to a lot of stations, and I'm trying to get this thing picked up. Of course, if I get syndicated, we'll have to clean it up, which will be a big boohoo. But you know, other than that, oh, I think we'll shit. yeah. 
That's all right, man. So I gotta get those in while I can. Yeah, right? just just fire them off, man. What we'll do is we'll probably do like a an unedited podcast and just do that every once in a while, and say um, and just um and just go with it, you know, and just uh, do like a give once a week. Fucking truth. Yeah, well, you can't do that, man. You can't give people the truth; they won't believe it. So, um, you know, piggybacking on top of all of those things that we were just talking about, let's look for something that would be really juicy to talk about. Actually, let me play this audio clip for you, Andrew. Um, let me pull up my audio. And this is a audio clip of a gentleman that was, I believe, arrested for firing his this discharging his firearm in his house to stop a felon. But that's that's a crime here in America. Here you go. Sunday night, Medford police responded to these apartment complexes for a disturbance call. When they arrived on scene, they heard a gunshot and saw a man running out toward the parking lot. That man was 40-year-old Jonathan Kinsella, a wanted felon. 36-year-old Corey Thompson says he shot at Kinsella because he was trying to break in through his back door. The end result, you know, you break into someone's house, there's consequences. Thompson says he grabbed his AR-15 assault rifle and told Kinsella to stop. When I'm dealt with a stressful situation, being a veteran from the Iraq and Afghanistan war, oh, he's a super it's just natural. I jump into combat mode. I told him specifically, I'm going to give you a warning shot. But police say that was not the right move. There was nothing that the suspect was doing that was aggressive enough to justify the shooting. In fact, the, the suspect was walking away. Thompson was charged uh. with unlawful use of a weapon, menacing and reckless endangering. I can see where they're coming from with, with those kinds of ordinance and stuff. And I understand, yes, I discharged my weapon, but I was careful not to fire it at anybody's residence. You know, it was at the ground specifically. But police say bullets from assault rifles can skip. They don't just get something in the absorb, especially something that that high velocity. It'll skip off objects and could wind up hitting, going into a house, going through it off the window. Police took Thompson's assault rifle because they say it was used in the commission of a crime. They say if a judge finds Thompson not guilty, he will get his assault rifle back. In Medford, Sharon Co. He's Watch 12. Andrew, I think you know what's coming. I do. USA! 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 The hell you think you're doing, slave? You don't get to protect yourself. Uh-uh. Hell no, you should have let him rob your dumbass. <laughs> I mean, this is getting ridiculous. I mean, is it, is it just to the point of just utter ridiculousness now that you can't even defend yourself in your own home? And of course, they have to. It has to be a veteran, right? Like the and veteran has no idea. Like the veteran has no idea what breaking and entering is and has no idea how to lawfully discharge his firearm and does exactly what cops have told me to do, and that's fire a warning shot, and then people will usually run away. But he does everything that he's supposed to do, and they still take his gun and just go, well, you know, it could have skipped. I mean, you're you're a gun, quote-unquote, enthusiast. What do you, What do you think about all this? It sounds to me like he's got he's more than qualified to determine safety with that weapon, being that he's a, a veteran. <laughs> yeah. uh, I would definitely give him the benefit of the doubt if he said he fired it in a safe direction. I would assume he fired it into the ground and not into concrete. Yeah, it can, it can skip though. It can skip off of wood, Andrew. It can, yeah. it can deflect off. Of, it can deflect off of water. I, I love it when I see people in the movies shooting at water. That cracks me up. Like yeah, yeah, it's going like five feet deep. <laughs> <laughs> Not your best idea for anyone that's ever shot a gun before. You know what I'm talking about. Not your greatest plan. But um, here let's get to some uh, let's get some other news here. 
Um, uh, let's see. Oh, da, 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 da. I already covered the Bilderberg protest one. Oh, here we go. Istanbul, Turkey. Oh, yes. So, um, protesters in Turkey say that we want freedom. And then here I'm going to read you and I'm going to make sure I highlight the part of the um, the, the demonstration. Sitting on a concrete ledge, and this is, excuse me, this was from the Jerusalem Post, by the way. Sitting on a concrete ledge surrounding Israel's Zeke Park, overlooking a road roadblock constructed by piles of rubble, high school student Apir Kalgong is working on his math homework. He says, I'm not a protester, I'm a student, he told the media in the line. So, but I'm here, if the police come, I can help resist. It says, um, over the past five days, he has been joined by tens of thousands of others his age who have come to voice their frustrations with Turkey's government led by Prime Minister um, Recep. I'm going to butcher it. Um, so it goes on to say, oh, and here's here's my favorite. Why can't these be pro-freedom people? It always says, anti-government demonstrators are concerned with a secular Turkey and drifting towards a conservative Islamic-backed state. Yeah, I, I would be kind of worried about that too, seeing as though there's – Firing missiles into you know into Syria, trying to get Assad to you know blink. Proposed changes to the constitution, restrictions on free speech, and recent law restrictions on the sale of alcohol have lit the fuse and and have on many years of some pent up emotions. Does this sound like a familiar play here? Everything except for the alcohol. Proposed changes on the constitution, restrictions on free speech. Does that sound familiar, Andrew? No, that's not what we're happening. That's happening to us. Uh, no. Mm-mm. Okay. It's making football sure. thirteen weeks. That's it. There we go. So far, he has rejected calls to step down and has brushed off the protest, saying that everything to expect will to be normalized soon, which means that they're going to invoke a police state and you know haul off all the protesters and then tear gas them or something like that, and then everything will be fine. But inside the protest camps of the historic Tesum Square. There are no signs of the people settling down. Celebratory fireworks light up the night sky as the crowds of people clog the cobblestone center and candles shine throughout the tear gas drifting through nearby police barricades, spelling out the words Takistan belongs to the or Taksim belongs to the people. Oh gosh, these guys are just absolute terrorists. What are they doing? It is where the group of young people originally joined together last week to try and stop the destruction of one of the last strips of green <coughs> of green around Tekastem, Taxkem. I I I don't know how Taskem Taskem is how I'm going to pronounce it for the rest of the article. Part of the plans are backed down by government to build another mall there. Oh, imagine that. Since then, anti-government, not pro-freedom, protests have spread across Turkey. Led by tens of thousands of young people pouring into the streets in Istanbul, Iraq, and other cities, waving flags, blowing whistles, and banging pots and pans. These people have been met with large numbers of police firing tear cast and plastic bullets, which have been known to kill people. I actually added that myself. There have been at least two confirmed reports of deaths. Yeah, most intense demonstrations of police who intervened, including a 22-year-old man who was shot while protesting uh, and killed while protesting near the... Um, Syrian border late on Monday. It is unclear exactly how the man was killed. Yeah, rubber bullet probably. In in (coughs) Taksim, surrounded by five-star hotels, upmarket restaurants, police have essentially retreated. Now kids play in the burned-out shells of police vehicles. Uh, News trucks lay overturned and gutted gutted from the Turks' 
directed their anger towards the local media organizations they they see as neglecting their uprising. Gee, imagine that the mainstream government owned media not covering something. Are you sure this isn't America? All right, whatever. This is one of the biggest meetings I have so far experienced in my life. Violet, a young woman who has declined to give her last name, told the media line, "We are we are very un." We are very united, and we are like brothers and sisters. So, uh, and it goes on to just talk about what they're what they're trying to do and trying to accomplish here. But Andrew, why is it always an anti-government protest and not a pro-freedom protest? Why is it always worded that way in these in these little articles about people just going out there and exercising their right to not be slaves and to actually have public servants of government do what they say they're going to do? It has to fit the narrative that they need. They can't be going, oh, these guys are about freedom. Whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> then somebody else that's uh, maybe not as smart as these guys might say. Maybe we should follow them. Mm-hmm. And it just gets – it gets to it, – it really speaks to the heart of what's going on all around the world. And that's why I got really upset earlier, and I used the F-bomb, and I typically don't use that on there. But, but it was it was warranted in that situation and the fact that – People need to understand that what we're going through is not just the American challenge. It is not just a Canada challenge. It's not a European challenge. It is all over the world that people are starting to understand that government is slowly becoming obsolete and that big government needs to be eliminated as soon as possible. All big governments, whether it's whether it's China, whether it's you know, whether it's the United States, whether it's the UK, and people just want more freedom and they want less regulations. And so, what's going to happen is this is not going to be something that'll just go away, everyone. This is not going to be something that you're just going to, like I've said before, that you're really just going to hope for it and then it's going to happen. You can't just sit there and pray to your, you know, pray to your God or whomever you believe um, controls the universe. To make this thing right, and it's just going to be right. You have to get out and you have to get active. Andrew, what do you say to that? Absolutely, man. We can't be sitting around anymore just waiting for somebody else to do it. And, uh, I mean, look, dude, you, you're all in. You made a decision to quit your job mm -hmm. and push this full time, man. I mean, that 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 takes some cojones, and most people, they don't have that. They're, they're the people stuck in those sacks from the Matrix, dude, the gooey jellyfish. Mm-hmm. But the gooey jellyfish enjoy their they enjoy their trinkets because Madison Avenue and and popular culture teaches them that the trinkets are what brings value and and that's what really that's what really the, disappoints me. Go ahead. The facade the facade's cracking though, and eventually, uh, you know, once once it does get bad enough for the majority, they'll have they'll have no other choice but to wake up. Yeah, but I mean, do you reach the tipping point before that happens, or do you do you really? Do you really want? Do you really want them to wake up that late? Is what I'm trying to ask my audience. Do you really want people to wake up at the eleventh hour where we're all standing around going, "Holy crap, how did we get here?" Or do you want them to start waking up and pushing back now? I think we're seeing it happen. It's already we're already getting the momentum shift to our side, and we we joke about it how the majority is is not awake. But honestly, I would say eight out of ten people that I talk to, Jake 
are very much aware. Maybe they're not doing anything at their level, and that's what mm-hmm. I try to do is explain to them. You know, you just have to talk to people in your mm-hmm. own network and in your friends' networks of friends. You don't have to get on the radio like you're doing, mm-hmm. even though that's great. And if we all did do that, that would be awesome. You don't have to, to necessarily uh, get on the internet and, and, and do that kind of stuff. But if you just educate the people around you, we'll wake up a lot more, and that, that's what's happening. And I think that's where we're seeing this momentum. And and you have to wake up to the overwhelming craziness that's around you, and that's what. And the more that I the more that I research, and the more that I read, and the more that I try to understand, the bigger the bigger the challenge is. And I I know it. It gets daunting. Believe me, I know it gets daunting because you're sitting there going, "Holy crap!" Like these guys are just. Not only are we are not only are we being you know trampled by the banks, not only are we having our civil liberties taken by our governments all over the world. It's not just here in America, but we got to deal with corporations on top of that. And the corporations are using both of the said things that I've used before to make it to make your life even worse. And so and uh, and people get these warm and fuzzies about corporations because. They see they see the marketing material. They see the propaganda. They see the nice little colored sign. They don't see what goes on. You see the hot dog. You don't see how the hot dog is made. And if you research how the hot dog is made, cool. you won't even want a hot dog anymore. It's the same kind of concept. If you see what some of these large corporations do and what they lobby for, they're the most anti-freedom, anti-free market places in the entire planet because their job – as a CEO, is to increase the bottom line at all costs. Whether that means going and hiring a bunch of lobbyists to get a bill passed that shuts down your competition, i.e. GE. You know, uh, or Anheuser-Busch and all the alcohol companies fighting yeah. the, uh, the marijuana. Yeah, and they also – here's another – here's a fun little tidbit. They also, Andrew, they have also – I'm glad you brought that up. That doesn't, the lobbyists aren't you know, re- relegated to like Monsanto and stuff like that, everyone. They can get really nasty on the local level. I have a friend of mine that works at a local brewery here. They make a fantastic um, fantastic ale. I'll have to send it to you, Andrew. But, um, or next time you're up, we'll have, to go, um, we'll have to go buy a pack. But they make a um, – they make a great product, and then they um, – not only them, but a couple of other small microbrews introduced legislation here in Georgia to get the ability for the microbrews to sell to the public, which would bypass the um, the big dis- distributor companies like um, – and here we have uh, United Distributors and Empire Distributors, and there's a couple more here at the, um, at the local Georgia level. But they they went – and they got lobbyists from Anheuser-Busch and Coors to come in, and as soon as the legislation was proposed, it was going to bring all kinds of new jobs. It was going to give them the flexibility to sell their product to the public. It was going to be a really big win for microbrews, but I think they passed special committee, and it was going to go to the to the House floor for a vote, and – Two days later, after the lobbyists came in, it got killed in committee, and then the person that introduced the bill wouldn't even talk to the people that introduced it, wouldn't even talk to the people that helped write the bill. They're just like, I can't do anything. I can't do anything. So that's your that's your challenge right there, people, and that stuff happens on a day-to-day basis. It's like I tried to explain to my father. I said, you know, we're running into a – you're starting to hear things about 
you know, suppress technology and inventors inventing, you know, there was a guy that invented the, um, uh, an engine that ran on water back in the 80s and his laboratory got destroyed. And my dad's like, who do you think did that? And I said, well, all I have to say is that oil is a $7.1 billion industry a year and there is not one person on this planet worth $7 billion. I mean, what are your what are your thoughts to that, Andrew? Do you think that we're in that conundrum, like I said, that we're we're up against big government, big corporations, as well as as well as the lobbyists and and the absolute attacks on freedom, and then you see people not really taking a stand for it because it's not affecting their pocketbook? Did I lose you? All right, I think I, I lost. Help, it just helps if I have my my uh, mic unmuted. Well, that'll do it. I can mute you here, so don't even worry about that. So, yeah, go ahead. I mean, what do you say to all that stuff? We, you and I, know this, but we need to kind of explain this to the audience so they can, so they can break <clears throat> stuff down and start going and looking at this stuff for yourself and get active on the on the local level, guys. I, I, there's a group here in Georgia that does a great job. It's called Georgia Activists. They do an incredible job. They do a great job inviting me to their events, and always seems like every time they have an event, I have a scheduling conflict. But they're good people, and they're out there doing stuff. And you've got local groups in your area that are doing things, so you need to find them. So what do you think, Andrew? And you can't rely on your mainstream media. That That's one of the things I fight too, Jake, is even though I start to wake people up, they end up watching yeah, but, but the Andrew, news CNN night, told me. Sleep. Andrew, CNN told me. C, CNN said that – CNN yeah. said that – it has to be true. They can't, they, and that's their problem. They're like, they can't put it on the news if it's not true. <laughs> well, see, the news has become infotainment now. The news is not, the news is not news anymore. It is not there to entertain you. It is there to, it is there to get ratings and to sell products. That is all that it is there to do. Is not to inform the people. And I speak to this at nauseum, but. You know, I mean, is that what is that what it, what do you run into when you try to get somebody to look at something? Like say here here's the easiest thing to do, guys. Go to people this week and say, "Hey, did you hear Bilderberg's happening this week?" and they're going to be like, "What's that?" And then just tell them, "Hey, it's the top 150 CEOs in the world getting together." And they're going to be like, "Well, that sounds pretty cool." And they said, "But and and then just say, hey, do you know what they're talking about? And they're going to say, no, what are they talking about? And just say, nobody knows because they don't publish anything. And they meet for four days. And see if that gets their wheels turning. And if it doesn't, I got I got no hope for them. Go ahead, man. Uh, that's when they're just going to go. That, that's a conspiracy theorist. I, I, I had that happen to me. I was just talking about the Bilderberg with a buddy of mine the mm-hmm. other day. And, and he had a friend over, and he just goes, oh, you're one of those conspiracy guys, aren't you? Yeah, heaven forbid I actually, you know, look into stuff and, and, and not believe everything that's told to me by a bunch of um, known liars, so whatever. I mean, I, I don't know how to combat stuff like that. We're just going to have to – I don't know, Andrew, did you do sales where they did like a rebuttal chart where like if you do a sales pitch and then you get this, then your rebuttal should be boom, boom, boom? <laughs> you know, the, short, the short time I sold cars. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, but it's still the same thing. Maybe we should all start taking a tactful approach at how we try to wake people up. You know, everybody has their their little niche. Everybody wants to, um, you know, Adam versus the man does his. Um, he's an he's an anti-statist, so he's going to promote you know uh, Austrian economics. He's going to promote. Um, he he says he's an anarcho-capitalist, which means that he wants free markets. To basically regulate everything, and he thinks that that would work. 
and then you have people like Noam Chomsky, who's an anarcho-populist, I think. Same kind of concept. It's that we all know that people in that government is not going to be something that is in for your best interest. But we have to break the stranglehold slowly. And this is, I think, where we have a lot of disagreements in the liberty movement. Most people just want to get out there and give their anti-statist rant and talk about how we can just not be a statist. I think that's that's very good. We need to do that. But we also need to take in consideration there's this thing in poker. It's called unknown knowledge. Okay, And Andrew, see if this makes sense. When you're playing poker… And this is a big – and for those of you that don't know, I, I did this professionally for a while until they um, they um, they shut down the site that I used to play on. So anyway, uh, I used to do this a lot, and I read um, I read Phil Helmy's book. I read Super System, and there's a there's a thing called unknown knowledge. And what that is is that you are so well-versed in a topic – Let's say for you, Andrew, it would be um, low voltage. You're 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 very well versed in low voltage. Now, what that means is that if you were interacting with somebody that didn't know low voltage, and it was something very very primitive down the totem pole from low voltage, like black being the ground wire or something like that, that you would assume that they have your same knowledge base, so they wouldn't make an error that you would make. It's like in poker. Here's it's like. You would never assume that somebody would make a bad bet because you know that it would be a bad poker play. You, do you understand what I'm saying there? It's like, oh, yeah, and that's I'm following what, you. Yeah, and that's what we're running into is that you run into people that that you will probably come across as, hey, you know, and you've done research and you understand. You're like, hey, look, you know, all these things are going on here. You need to look at this, and they think, that, and then you think that, well, this makes perfect sense. Why didn't this person buy into it? But they have no knowledge of any of those aforementioned subjects, and so they just dismiss it because their ego gets in the way of them learning something new. Because if they have to learn something new, that means that they have either been lied to or they don't know as much as they thought. So that's why the self-importance and the ego and the and the you know the not the it's the um, normalcy bias. It's all those things come into play. But once you talk about being awake. I think that a big part of being an awake person is being able to accept new theories, not necessarily believe them, but accept them, entertain them, research them, and then formulate your own opinion rather than just go along with what the masses say. I mean, what do you say to that? Yeah, I agree completely. Okay. Well, I mean, it, it doesn't take much to realize that we're in a very, very big struggle here. We're in a struggle for trying to wake up people. We're in a struggle for trying to get people the information they need to make better decisions in their life. You have to understand that the people that run this planet and the people that run the world are not in it for your best interests. And it is kind of one of those things that you have to take into account that, you know, nobody's going to look after me, so I have to, you know, look after myself. That's part of it. But at the same time, you have to look after your fellow human. And I think that we're running into this controlled matrix where we're we're kind of taught to not cherish other people not even cherish what they think it's about you the individual it's not about the and i don't mean to sound like a collectivist but it's not about your fellow human being and what i mean by that is that 
if it doesn't affect them, and I think that you see this a lot in the videos that um, uh, what's his name does, Mark Dice does. You, you see the people that he interviews, and they're like, "Oh, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't affect me." It's kind of like what you're talking about, Andrew. You run into those people that are like, "You know, milk's going up. That's fine. I can still afford it because it's not affecting them yet. It is not affecting that person." But what they do is they just normalize it until they have that effect. And that's why I said we don't want to wait until the 11th hour to turn this thing around because that's when that's no, when it's going, to be, yeah, it's going to be impossible to turn it around. At and, least not peacefully. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, for all, the, for all the crap that Adam Kokesh has gotten about what he said and, and his march and stuff like that, and I'll speak to this, everybody, he's not a Fed – He's not He's not trying to start a civil war through Obama. I mean, there's a couple of memes that are going out now, and that seems to be the two that are the biggest. But what he's trying to say, if you're awake, it makes complete sense. If you are not awake, if you're not paying attention, it makes absolutely no sense. It's like yeah, everything we're saying tonight to somebody that's not awake doesn't make any sense. They're like, what? Yeah, but I mean, I think that if you – we have to present the information in a – you have to do it in a couple of different ways. You can be serious. You can you can rant and rave about it like Alex Jones does, or you can you can you know lay it with some humor. I think that humor is what's going to happen, and what's going to get us there is if you keep bombarding people with the information, then eventually they're going to have to either listen to what you have to say, or they're going to totally dismiss you. And those are the people that you can't really help. And I know that that seems sad. But, you know, they have just been conditioned. You're living in a science fiction petri dish for the most part, people. You are being conditioned to accept things that you never even thought consciously to accept, and that's what creeps me out. So here, let's have some fun, Andrew. Last uh, last 20 minutes, I've got um, I got some Illuminati stuff here for you. So since we're talking about the Builder Group and secret societies and stuff that doesn't exist – I'll go ahead and um this is a um this is a uh ex- yeah go ahead before you play that um mm-hmm. you, you caught me off guard earlier I was actually on Twitter and I was trying to find you uh can you throw that out for me Oh yeah it's uh we are not cattle the number 1 We are not cattle and then one behind it All right so here is gotcha. a here's a clip from the uh, bloodlines of the illuminati which actually was taken down off of YouTube Gee, I wonder why Many of the United States presidents have blood relations with each other. The Bush lineage has blood ties to a great number of former presidents. George Washington, Millard Fillmore, Franklin Pierce, Abraham Lincoln, Ulysses Grant, Rutherford Hayes, James Garfield, Grover Cleveland, Teddy Roosevelt, William Taft, Calvin Coolidge, Herbert Hoover, Franklin Roosevelt, Richard Nixon, and Gerald Ford. Michael Tassarian points out in his work that Bush is closely related to every European monarch on and off the throne, and has kinship with every member of Britain's royal family. Bush's family tree can be documented as far back as the early 15th century. He has a direct descent from Henry III and from Henry VIII's sister Mary Tudor. He is also descended from Charles II of England. And we also find that George W. Bush is a direct descendant of Godfrey de Bullion. Godfrey was the first king of Jerusalem after he recaptured it from the Saracens, which was the name for the Islamic faith during the Middle Ages. It is interesting to note that the current occupation of the United States in the Middle East was re-established by the same family, George Bush Sr. in 1991 
and again by George Bush Jr. in 2003. George Bush Jr. is then found to be a cousin to both opposing candidates of his two terms in office, Al Gore and John Kerry. Democratic President Barack Obama also has blood ties with George W. Bush, as well as Gerald Ford, Lyndon Johnson, Harry Truman, James Madison, and the British Prime Minister Sir Winston Churchill. On the opposing side of the 2008 presidential ballot, John McCain is descended from Robert the Bruce, King William I of Scotland, and also Godfrey de Bullion. Let me take you through this, branch by branch. The 101st Airborne Division, Air Assault. Vice President Dick Cheney, the man who's only a heartbeat away from the presidency, is actually a blood relation. He's President Bush's ninth cousin once removed. Cheney's cousin Barack Obama is also Bush's 11th cousin, and the ninth cousin of Brad Pitt. But we're only just getting started. President Lincoln was President Bush's seventh cousin five times removed, and Bush shared more than just a ballot with John Kerry. That's right, they're ninth cousins twice removed. There's also royalty in the Bush bloodline. Princess Diana was Bush's 11th cousin twice removed. And then there's this bombshell. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Sure, she may have been singing to JFK, but what about GWB? He is, after all, her ninth cousin, three times removed. He's also related to Playboy founder Hugh Hefner, even Pocahontas, and Vlad the Impaler. Trace the family tree far enough, and you get Madonna, Celine Dion, and Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just some fun stuff, man. All this stuff... It- <laughs> You know nobody's stuff. poor in any of those groups. Like they don't have some poor distant relative. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't name you or me. Yeah, I don't think I've made it in there. But see, you know, it, I just I like switching gears sometimes because sometimes you just get in this mood where you're just talking about all this really depressing stuff. But um, you know, it, here here's something to to make you feel better, Andrew. And then um. This is from the Economic Collapse blog. I like this guy's blog a lot. And um, you and I both know about this, but this might be news to new people. So if you haven't researched this, and if also if you haven't researched the uh, UN Small Arms Trade Treaty, you need to research, research that as well. And uh, the article goes – I'm just going to read about half of it. Did you know that Barack Obama has secretly – and this is not a conspiracy theory. This is actually true. Did you know that Barack Obama has, has been secretly negotiating the most important trade treaties since the, since the formation of the World Trade Organization? Did you know that this agreement will impose very strict internet copyright rules, ban all quote-unquote buy American laws, give Wall Street banks much more freedom to trade risky derivatives and force even more domestic manufacturing offshore? If you have not heard about this treaty, don't feel bad. Obama has refused to even give Congress a copy of the draft and says that and has banned members of Congress from attending the meeting meetings and negotiations. Doesn't that sound like freedom right there? That doesn't sound like dictatorship, does it? No. Total freedom. That's total freedom. All right. So the plan to keep this secret the treaty secret until the very last minute and then railroad it through Congress and then have it signed into law by October. The treaty is known as the Trans-Pacific Partnership. God, all these treaties sound like – just – all right, anytime, guys, this is rule number one in government. Anytime something says partnership, freedom, 
anything like that, it is going to be absolutely horrible for your country. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. North American Free Trade Agreement, terrible. But, but do they get to know what's in it before they have to vote no, on it? No, you remember – I mean this is a Nancy Pelosi deal. I mean we just got to sign it, and then we'll find out what's in it. So in the trans- That makes total sense. I mean doesn't it? I mean don't all bureaucrats and, and, and these guys make sense? It says Trans-Pacific Partnership, and the nations reportedly involved in this treaty include the United States, Canada, Japan, South Korea, Australia, New Zealand, Chile, Peru, Singapore, Vietnam, and Malaysia. And opponents of this treaty refer to it as the NAFTA of the Pacific. And everybody remembers how great NAFTA was. And it says, the one world economic agenda that Barack Obama has been pushing is absolutely killing the United States economy. As you will see later in this article, we are losing jobs and businesses at an astounding pace. And each and each new quote-unquote free trade agreement makes everything worse. This guy gets it. I mean, how do you, how do you – all right, people, wake up, wake up. I'm going to skip this because it's all talking about like what happened in North Korea or South Korea after we made the treaty. And then it continues. When NAFTA was pushed through in Congress in 1993, the United States actually had a trade surplus with Mexico of $1.6 billion. And then by 2000 or by 2010, we have a trade deficit with Mexico of – Andrew, what do you think the trade deficit is? Just ballpark guess. Tell me it doesn't go into the trillions. No, it's not the trillions, but it's it's a pretty decent chunk. Sixty-one point six billion. So oh. we had a one point six billion dollar surplus. So it's almost a six thousand degree swing the other way. It's actually a little bit more than six thousand degrees. Six thousand percent. Good job, guys. That's El Nino, though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it says, and, and it continues, and it says, and free trade with China has turned to be complete and total nightmares as well. Back in 1985, our trade deficit with China was approximately $6 million. That's million, million with an M for the entire year. And as of 2012, our trade deficit with China is – Andrew, take a guess. $6 million uh, back, okay. um, 20, back back uh, almost 30 years ago. What do you think we've done with it now? Oh, I don't even know. Just give it to me. Hit me. $315 billion dollars. That's a billion with a B. Good work, guys. And the largest trade this is the largest trade deficit one nation has ever had with another in the history of the world. Man, that sounds stable, doesn't it? But instead I can of remember lo- though when everything was millions and billions. Like uh, I don't even remember the first time I heard trillion, but it hasn't been that long. <laughs> and then you get the uh the quadrillion. That's my favorite, the quadrillions. Anyway, the New York Times is calling the Trans Pacific Partnership the most significant international commercial agreement since the creation of the World Trade Organization in 1995. Oh, and by the way, everybody, the World Trade Organization doesn't look out for you either. They look out for big corporations and big countries to deindustrialize them and move all their industry to cheap labor so that they can make giant profits for the World Bank, IMF, and um, what's the other one? The International Bank of Settlements. Remember, this is a global government run by bankers and corporations and taking you out to the pasture to be used as human resources. That is not in this article. That is me saying that. Okay, so the article continues. It is reportedly going to include a whole host of provisions which will never be able to pass through Congress and never is underlined and bold on their own. Even though this treaty will affect our daily lives, the Obama administration is keeping this treaty a total secret. In fact, Obama won't even show Congress that even members of Congress have asked repeatedly to see it. 
The agreement has been under negotiation since 2008 and would set new rules for everything from food safety, which is a joke, and financial markets – oh, that's another one – to medical yes, and internet freedom. God, they're just going to set our complete freedom up right here. This is perfect. All right, so it would include at least 12 countries of the bordering the Pacific and open for more to join. President Barack Obama said he wants to sign it by October, although Congress has ex- – Exclusive constitutional authority to set terms of trade, which he doesn't give a shit about anyway. He'll just do it. So far, the executive branch has managed to resist repeated requests by members of Congress to see the text of the draft of the agreement and has denied requests of members to attend the negotiations as observers, reversing past practice. So he is orchestrating this deal in secret and telling Congress to sit down and shut up. And here is something – and I'm going to go ahead and just link this article for everybody. But this is what you guys need to be aware of, all right? Not only is this going on in our negotiation of trade agreements, but this is also going on in how we police the world. Remember, we are the world police, a global force for good, as our Navy says. So here is what we really have to worry about, and that is we need to set – Once again, laws and make people follow the laws, and you need to have a legal basis for doing things. And Andrew, I'm going to play the clip now of um, Leon Panetta where he was asked by the congressman from North Carolina who gives him and NATO the permission to send American troops into battle. So here you go. Before we do this, you would seek permission of the international authorities. If we're, work, if we're working with an international coalition and we're working with NATO, uh, we would uh, want to be able to uh, get uh, appropriate permissions in order to be able to, to do that. That's, that's something that you know, all of these countries would want to have some kind of legal basis on which to act. What legal basis are you looking for? What, what entity? Well, uh, obviously, the U- if, if NATO made the decision to go in, that would be one. Uh, if uh, if we if we developed an international coalition beyond NATO, uh, then obviously some kind of UN security resolution would so be an, a basis. A for coalition that. of so you're saying NATO would give you a legal basis, and uh, um, an ad hoc coalition of nations would provide a legal basis. Mm-hmm. If we if we if we were able to put together a coalition, uh, and uh, were able to move together then obviously we would seek whatever legal basis we would need in order to make that uh, uh, justified. How about I mean, asking you, the people? You know, we can't just How about that? pull them all together uh, in a uh, combat operation without getting the, uh, the legal basis on which to act. How about asking Who are you Congress? asking for the legal basis from? He won't answer, uh, will he? Obviously, if the U.N. passed a security oh, resolution as it did in Libya, we would do that. Oh, yeah. uh, if uh, if NATO well. came together as we did in Bosnia, mm-hmm. uh, we would that rely on well. that. So mm-hmm. you know we we have options here. Oh yeah. Uh, options. If we want to build uh, the kind of international approach to oh, dealing with the situation. Well, I'm for all for having an in- international support, but I, I I'm really baffled by the idea that that somehow an international assembly provides a legal basis for the United States military to be deployed in combat. I don't believe it's close to being correct. They, have, they can provide no legal authority. The only legal authority that's required to deploy the United States military is uh, the Congress and the President 
and the law That's and the Constitution. Let, let me just for the record be clear again, Senator. Let me be so clear. There's no misunderstanding. There's no misunderstanding. When it comes to the national defense of this country, the President of the United States has the authority under the Constitution to act to defend this country, and we will. Uh, if, it, if it comes to a, an operation where we're trying to build a coalition of nations to work together to go in and operate as we did in Libya or Bosnia, for mm -hmm. that matter, Afghanistan, mm -hmm. we want to do it mm. with permissions well. either by NATO or by the international community. But not the American people. No, no, no. American Did you hear troops. Congress anywhere? Did you hear no, Congress no. anywhere in there? No. no, 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 no. They, they got the power of the American purse. Troops, just don't worry about it. Yeah, they, they got the power of the purse. And, and then you know what the, the stupid argument is by the people that bury their heads in the sand, the Fox News people? Well, they could just defund it. Yeah. Then you guys will sit there and cry and whine about, oh, they're not letting us have our national defense, and this is posing a national threat to our national security. Everything's national with you guys. It's national security. It's our national by terrorists if we don't do yeah. it. And see, listen. Here, here, here's here's the thing that I would say to you people. They're setting up world government with or without you, and they don't care what the American public and the American Congress has to say anymore. That should be blatantly obvious. When you have a president that is going over this treaty in secret, when you have the president going over the UN Small Arms Trade Treaty in secret, which is supposed to be signed and ratified sometime this month in June, which says that you will have to register all firearms with the UN, not with your government, with the UN, and have them kept in a UN database. That's scary stuff. I've done a whole show on this. That's what I get frustrated with, Andrew. It's like I see this stuff. You see this stuff. You see, you see people in Congress trying to push back. The guy is so flabbergasted, and this was about a year and a half ago. He's so flabbergasted asking him this. He's like, "Are you, when are you gonna?" And he's trying to give him out. It's like, okay, so you know, you could you can say that you're gonna you know get the appropriate funding and, and permission from Congress. We're waiting for it. And it never comes. And he never said, well, if we form a coalition, then we can trot your sons and daughters off to war. Even if you don't agree with it, even if it's not even going to benefit America in the slightest, we have formed an international coalition, and we will stand by our coalition. I mean, it's what do BS. you say to that? Say what? I say it's BS. Well, of course it is. But you know, you have to, you have to understand – that these people are are going for broke, and that's why and that's why it is so absolutely crazy what you're seeing around the world now. That's why you're seeing this big push, and, and I'm telling you, Andrew, I'm getting the sneaking suspicion suspicion that something is going to go off in Syria. And I'm not talking about a bomb or something like that. I think that something is going to happen in Syria. That is going to trigger not a, a a real revolution. It's going to you know expand the fomented revolution that the United States has already had over there, where we've been funding the Al Qaeda terrorists. And if you guys don't believe that, listen to podcast number six, where I covered Rand Paul, amongst other politicians, standing up and saying, "We don't know who the enemy is." And then you had John McCain say, <laughs> "Oh my God!" <laughs> and then you had John McCain say. Well, I think it's pretty clear. I think it's pretty we can we can determine who the enemy is. Really, John McCain? Really? Are you talking about That's why he's taking photos with him. That All right, all right. So we could determine who the enemy is. And that's why you you know, when you're when you're looking and and reading about Afghanistan and how 
how everything's starting to fall apart now, and we're talking about we're going to leave, and these people aren't trained in order to protect their own country. And then you have people that are deputized police over there in Afghanistan, and then they turn and kill our soldiers. Yeah, you can really tell who the enemy is. I mean, give me a freaking break. My dad was in Vietnam. We talked about that a lot this weekend because it just fascinates me because I've never – Andrew, I've never been in war. I've never you know, seen combat or anything like that. So it was like, you know, trying to talk to him about what it's like, you know, what it's like, you know, doing. And he used to run like, he used to run. He would tell me he's like, dude, we would run top secret missions where we would do this, this, and this, and then we would come back and be published in the paper. We're like, what the hell? How did these guys get this? It's top secret. But that's a side issue. He said that in Vietnam, you didn't know who was who and and what was what. And he said the biggest thing was that you had um. You had women that would be armed, and they would shoot at you, and they're like – and you don't know what to do. It's like, holy cow, like this woman with a baby, and all of a sudden she's got a gun? It's like, what the heck is going on? But John McCain says, you know, I think that we're just having a big misunderstanding, so maybe here's what we should do. Maybe we should all get um, yellow jumpsuits and, and mail them to the insurgents over in, 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 in Syria. That's a great idea. And, and they can all wear yellow jumpsuits. With a big smiley face on it, so that anytime somebody sees the big smiley face, that's the good guy. Because the enemy will never get you know the jumpsuit and wear it and then attack you. Because that that would be that would be dishonorable. I mean, we should be able to tell who these guys are. I think you should email Obama with that idea. He might use it. Oh, they're listening. I mean, just go ahead and take it and run with it, guys. You can you can <laughs> announce that at the press conference tomorrow if you want. We have got a new strategy for the war. We will deploy yellow jumpsuits. To all the Syrian, you know, freedom fighter rebels that we're funding over there and sending them food and stuff like that, it just gets absolutely ridiculous. So, Andrew, I think I'm about to end the podcast. Any closing comments from you about um about you know anything that we've talked about here today? I do have some GMO. Yeah, if, but, the last thing you the last thing you were just talking about, McCain saying that he could determine or we could determine, and especially him, I'm sure, uh, can determine who the terrorists are. But then, didn't he have a picture that was just? I did see something on the news where he took a picture with like. For these guys, freedom fighters in Syria, and two, and two of them two in the background. Them, yeah, two of them, two of them were terrorists. Well, I think that John McCain should go ahead and fall on his sword then, and go ahead and let Obama with the Indian the uh, NDAA uh, detain him, maybe waterboard him to find out what what he knows and what cell he's a part of. Yeah, he did meet with terrorists. He's meeting with terrorists, dude, and funding them. He's talking about funding. You know, isn't that crazy? Isn't that absolutely crazy that our government comes out with something like that and says that anybody that funds a terrorist or is associated with terrorists will be, you know, will be persecuted or will be taken off? And yet our government wouldn't that that'd be country. ironic that uh, you know McCain says that drone strikes on U.S. citizens on U.S. soil is okay if they associate with terrorists? Well, he might he might be the first dude, one, you get, you, dude. You might get a missile. You <laughs> might get a missile. I mean, literally, guys, we're making fun of this because it is that laughable. You have to understand what is about to happen now. We are about to go into our third unconstitutional war. And don't give me this crap that the, the president can declare war. He can declare a state of defense where he has 90 days to get congressional approval and congressional funding in order to com- continue the action. Now, here is where your congresspeople need to step up. But here's the big, 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 big billion-dollar problem. Actually, probably more like a trillion-dollar problem. It's this little thing that you know President Dwight D. Eisenhower warned us about. 
called the Military Industrial Complex. And I hate to tell you this, but they own Washington. They own Washington. You cannot defund the Department of Defense. You can't. And then if you do try to defund the Department of Defense, you have the people on Fox News saying that we're going to get attacked by Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda is going to come here, and they're going to just start – it's going to be the, the boss – hiding in your trash here. can right now. Say what? Al-Qaeda is hiding in your trash can right now. They are. They're just waiting for – they're waiting for the federal cronies to lose funding, and then they're just going to jump out and start lighting fires everywhere. It's going to be absolute chaos. But at the end of the day, you have to look at it like this. You have to have a sense of humor behind it because if you don't, you're going to drive yourself absolutely crazy. Andrew, thanks for joining me on the podcast today, man. Always appreciate it. I always like the randomness of this podcast. Hey, did you hear the very beginning about what I talked about the show should be? And I talked to you about this before, about what the show was supposed to be when I first started this. And it was supposed to – I didn't catch the beginning. Now, I, I got I got you about 30 minutes in. Well – when I started the We Are Not Cattle, it was a play on words, but it was also supposed to be a forum where we could all share collective information and collective thoughts about specific events. Now, I don't have the same viewpoints as a lot of people in the in the freedom movement about certain things, but that's the things that we need to all get together and talk about. I think that we can all agree that we need more freedom and we need less oppression and we need um, less government intervention. I think that that's the one thing that we all agree on is the non-aggression principle. That's a great place to start. But the order, only way that we're all going to get there is that we have a dialogue, and you have to make it intriguing, make it fun, make it lighthearted, but be serious at the same time because these are serious issues. So, you know, thanks everybody for listening in. Uh, you can check out the um, once again. I'm going to be on the air tomorrow. I um, I have a um, I have a um, charity event to go through on Thursday, so I'm going to be running the We Are Not Cattle number eight episode tomorrow night, nine o'clock. Check it out here, same place, Blog Talk Radio. And, um, you know, like I said, you can check me out on Liberty Movement Radio um, Wednesdays and Fridays. I think it's 2 until 4. And you can check me out on Liberty Express Radio at libertyexpressradio.com um, from 7 to 9 on Saturday and Sunday. Thanks for listening, everybody. It's been a blast doing the podcast. You know, get a friend, get informed, get involved, and stay free, everyone. Thanks for listening.